Do you have more pictures of your goats than yourself on your phone? Does your vacation time get spent attending goat shows? Can you have a conversation without bringing up dairy goats? Neither can we. So join us as we talk to the country's best breeders, judges, appraisers, and industry experts about all things dairy goats. We are John Kane and Danielle Caroli. Welcome to Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Ringside Live. How's it going, everyone in Syracuse? <laughs> Well, I was getting there. I know, but we want to like make sure everybody knows what's going on. Well, I'm Danielle Caroli. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I guess I'm John Kane for today. <laughs> this is Ringside Live. Thank you all for coming. Um, we're going to have a guest today, and then afterwards, we'll probably open it up for questions as well. But now, as he said, we are live and we are recording. So thank you, everyone, for coming to our live episode. Yes, appreciate everybody. And we have a guest this week, Danielle. We do. We do. This week, we are joined by John Hall, a.k.a. Farmer John. What started with a handwritten letter to the Beekman boys after they had purchased their property asking for his goats to reside and graze on their land, a friendship and working relationship was born. Everybody knows Beekman 1802's goat milk-based products, but let's meet the man behind the milk. Welcome, John Hall. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> We're really excited to have you here, uh, and I'm hoping you're, you're enjoying um, your yeah. home turf, yeah. Syracuse. You're not too far from home. No. <laughs> uh, and to start off, obviously, locals know who you are. But can not we... everybody. It's, ama- <laughs> it's amazing how few people still know who the Beekman boys are and what Beekman 1802 is. I, I guess maybe because I'm in their algorithm, I see it yeah. a little bit right. more yeah. you know, online. But... Depends on how much social media you're involved in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But for people who aren't aware who you are, can we hear about your history uh, with goats and then also yeah. with the Beekman boys? I grew up in Sharon Springs. I grew up on a cow dairy farm. Graduated from high school and didn't want to farm. I wanted to have fun. Yeah. So I got other jobs. Um, eventually, that led me to a place that already had a, a small barn all set up for goats. So I says, well, I'll get a couple of goats just to see what it's like. So I got a couple of um, Spanish meat Nubian crosses and got two more from the same person. Then I got was driving home from my office job one day, went past a sign that said goats for sale, stopped in and found an alpine. That's dangerous. And that's that's how that's how I got back into the dairy goats. Because once she had kids and I saw how much milk she could give, I don't get a gallon of milk from a goat, that little tiny goat. I says, Well, I guess I gotta gotta have more of those. So And you certainly can't have just one. No. So how big was the herd before you moved on to the property? I had about 50 goats okay. when I brought them to, to Beekman. Okay. And the initial the initial idea here with the story of you is you had your herd and you needed a place for them to I graze. Need, yeah, and, I needed a place to go because when one thing ends, something else has to, yeah. has to like start. Phoenix, so, right? yeah. so I started there. Um, 
I wanted to raise calves on the milk and sell smell sell baby beef. Right. But that that takes a lot longer, and I ended up having to go back to work full time. Mm-hmm. So I went back to work for an insurance company. So I was getting up at two. Taking care of the goats, milk, milk, and sixty goats. Oh goodness! And then going to work from eight to four. Come home, milk the goats, and were you then go to all, bed. Were you milking all of them by hand? Oh no, no, no. Okay, I was like, my first <laughs> goat, milking my first goat. I go, oh, this has got to get be easier than this. That's when I got my first milking machine. Was with just with one goat. So, <laughs> so I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna try to milk that many with my hand. I would have never have gotten out of the barn. So yeah, you wouldn't have never made it to work. That's no, hard. no. So you go, you get onto the Beekman Boys uh, farm. You have yeah. your herd there, and how was, how did that kind of rotate towards what it is today? So then, in two thousand eight, when the recession hit, they kind of both were losing their jobs at what they did. And I had my goats. I was working the full-time job. Then that's when they got approached by Planet Green mm-hmm. to do the TV show. And they came to me, oh, we're going to do a reality show. Hope you want to be part of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I am. So so that's what we did. And that led to them deciding, well, what can we do with this milk? And that's where they got into making the soap. Mm-hmm. And then the soap turned ended up becoming, ended up making cheese. And that's primarily where the milk from my goats went into just the cheese eventually. Okay. So, what? So now is it just strictly cheese with your milk, or are you supplying? I I used to have enough goats where I would milk and make about five thousand pounds a week on my goats, and all of that went went to cheese. Okay. And that was milking sixty four goats. So, the most I ever milked was ninety there. Okay. But then, as everybody tries to do, you try to breed up, so I was bringing in, you know, some really good Alpine bucks from Kathy <laughs> Kelly, and then some Sonnen and Sable bucks from Cindy Shelley. So I was getting, you know, I had 64 goats and more than half of them. In less than 300 days, I could get over to, well over 2,000 pounds out of them. Which so. is great. So I was doing really good. Yeah. And most of this I did by myself. I did, a few years I was able to get an intern from SUNY Coloskill. It's to awesome. help during kidding season. So that helped with their getting their 13 credits for it because they worked, they worked seven days a week with me. And I said, well, if you're going to have a place of your own, you're going to work seven days a week too. So, <laughs> so that's what that is. And then in 2019, just before COVID hit, I had the cheese maker that was making the cheese for, for Beekman wanted to buy most of my herd. And so that's what I ended up doing. I ended up selling 90 of my goats to them in 2020, just before they started kidding. So now I'm just doing milking between 12 and 15 goats twice a day. And now we do so many farm tours. There's a lot of events that happen at the farm. Um, Every spring we do baby goat tours. That's this year. This year we did seven weekends and that's Saturday and Sunday three one-hour groups, 20 people per group. Wow. And people get to come in and hold baby goats, and you know everybody's voice goes up two or three octaves once they see the baby goats, <laughs> and they get to hold them. And that's the biggest thing to, for people to be able to hold a baby goat because many people have never even seen a goat in person. So 
they really enjoy. I wonder how many of those people you've influenced into getting goats themselves, and now they're going. Yep, yep. So I got into Nigerian dwarf goats this year, and those sell faster because they're little. They're little. So, but I mean, when you're sitting there on a chair, and then all of a sudden one jumps up on your lap, and the people just have a have a blast with oh, it. Oh, listen. So. As a uh, former Nigerian dwarf breeder, I know they fly off the shelves. Yep. Right? Yep. So. so, speaking of Nigerians, what breeds are you working with now on the farm? My full-size goats are pretty much a mix of every of a bunch of different breeds. I started out with a lot with Alpines, Sonnens, and Sables, and then I got some Nubians, and then I got some Guernsey Crosses. Mm-hmm. So I have some goats that have all five of those breeds in them, but... I'm I can so, still, I can still had... get two gallons of milk out of a out of a sun and alpine newbie <laughs> Guernsey cross. So well, I'm surprised you haven't gotten any Oberhasli. They're the best breed uh, I hear. I had <laughs> Oberhasli oh, a couple years ago. <laughs> there was a oh thanks, but yeah. <laughs> but I'm here and here. <laughs> well, the production is definitely a little bit less than those alpines and sonnens, yeah. you know. Yeah, it all depends on. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Just like you don't want well, with, with alpines, Nubians, you oh, never yeah. know what color you're going to get. You don't know how much production you're going to get out of them either. So Exactly. Because I've had Nubians give me two gallons of milk too. So. Oh, they, they produce and yep. that butterfat. Yeah. Right. Are you doing any testing production-wise? Are you figuring out butterfat or? I did once. So, but I have meters that I that I used. So as I used to keep track of, I used to weigh the milk every, every month and keep an Excel spreadsheet, but I haven't, haven't been doing that as often lately. So that's how I, that's how I knew I was getting, you know, I had a son and goat to give me 4,000 pounds in 300 days. So. And I got a lot of her daughter, granddaughters and great-great-granddaughters in the herd. So that's that's where my, my two gallons a day comes from, that side of the family. There you so, go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish I had that in my herd. <laughs> so walk us through a typical day-to-day on your farm. What does that operation look like? Now, goats are almost dry, so now I don't get up till 5 o'clock. <laughs> oh, sleeping <laughs> in. Yeah. When I was milking the 64, my day started out at 2, because it would take a good three hours to just do the milking. Mm-hmm. And by the time you feed everybody, it's I was doing a 16, 18-hour day, and doing tours whenever tour came on. And then even back when we were, we were filming the TV show, I had to film the TV show on weekends. So that was a full-time job, take care of the goats and film TV show. So not a lot of you time. No, <laughs> but now I have a lot of me time with, with only having the 30, 40 goats. So, so with the 30, 40 goats, that's, we were discussing a little bit before, um, that's kind of like a for you thing, right? Yeah. So you're not. Are you doing anything with that product still, or are you no? Just... No. I, I actually give it give some of the milk away to a local soap maker. Okay. So she uses it, and then I get free soap too. There Plus I get get Beekman soap too. So. <laughs> so I've got lots of soap in the house. Well, that's nice for for the rut. Yeah. You have to deal with the bugs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so especially the the smelly soaps. <laughs> the smelly soaps. <laughs> I'd rather have unscented, but. The unscented does the job, at least at least with mine. I mean, yep. I don't know, but yeah, I prefer the unscented just because, you know, I think I smell nice myself. So. Right there you go. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, obviously, with working and living on the Beekman farm and you know, working with the Beekman boys, they're, they're super popular. Uh, is there any upside or downside? I know we were talking about the reality show that, that they had there. Was there. Are there any upsides or downsides working with like a micros- microscope well, on you? For me, the upside is that I was able to stay and keep goats. Yeah. Because, you know, when, before I became a Beekman employee, I was relying on the sales of my milk. Right. And when you have cheese makers that if something breaks down, they can't take the milk, then I don't have a paycheck. So now the up, I, I have a full-time paycheck all the time now. Right. So, instead of just for maybe five or six months. So, oh, yeah. In hoping that I made enough in those five or six months to get me through the other seven or eight months true no that makes a lot of sense and let's kind of go back to that reality tv show and can you talk about your experience filming that what happened how was that like what was that like can we peel back the curtain just a little bit on that well if somebody has ever says to you oh by the way we're going to film a tv show hope you want to be part of it don't say yes because <laughs> it's, it's a lot i mean there was a lot of things you know it, it takes a lot of time because when you're out there filming outside and the plane goes over, you got to stop and then you got to start all over again. I remember refilming something in the garage in February that was supposed to have been done in the summer. So I had to chew on ice cubes so my breath wouldn't show so they could edit <laughs> that in to, to fit in the time. So, that, I mean, TV shows are, that's there's a lot of work in them. So if you think being an actor and stuff like that's easy. Well, so no, did, did you have to have like your own makeup person and stuff too? Like, did they go that far? Actually, like, I refused to wear makeup. There you go. Good I didn't for have you. to wear makeup. Good for you. They told me I had natural glow. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that's great. And you know, the one thing that I really like about the Big Boy model is they really support local, right? Mm-hmm. Everywhere you go, they're they're dealing yep. with the crafts, right? Yep. Actually, I know how to crochet so i crochet scarves and hats and they're featured on their webs on their website there's, and and i have a sister that does weaving and she weaves the the gingham towels and they oh, are really? also available at their kind of shop and online too so yeah my uh daughter's gonna see because you have one that you put yeah, in the I, raffle i brought an afghan to raffle off yeah yep. she's gonna try to steal that <laughs> She's absolutely enamored by anything crocheted. Yeah. All of her blankets. If you give her anything that's not crocheted for a blanket, she doesn't want she's it. she's she won't nap or, or yep. sleep. So yeah, she's yeah. gonna try to steal that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna have to put like fifty tickets in there trying <laughs> to get that. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. And so um, let's kind of go a little bit more into your herd. So obviously, you have the crosses there. Is it solely production based on your breeding program, or how do you how do you choose which animals, especially now that your numbers are smaller? It used to be by production, so it's very hard to to want to give up a doe kid from one of the little ones that's given you know sixteen pounds a day. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, it's the pretty ones that stay. <laughs> and so then that's like I have sixteen doe kids that I I gotta decide which ones of those I'm going to keep. So, And I really like my Nigerian crossed with the full-size goats. So, 
Well, you get the production. I hope. I hope so. Plus, we read the first one of those the, for the first time this year. So, uh, so, so next year will be my first mini de mini de milk. So okay, we'll see what she does. I've seen a couple of mini obies, and I they're pretty. Yeah. I mean, I can see the market for people that want them because they'll probably they're most likely going to have more production than a Nigerian, right? But you still have that size where you're able to handle them a right. little bit easier yeah. than standard. Um, I mean, we all know the standards are pretty gentle, but yeah. but it just makes it that much easier. The worst thing is that you got to have totally different fencing. <laughs> That's true. Tube gates don't work anymore because the, the Nigerian and the Nigerian crosses still can, oh, yeah. can crawl right through the tube gates. We do uh, four-strand wire at our place, and we had the Niger when we had the Nigerians, there was no keeping those doses. Yeah. Yeah. If they wanted out, they were just squirting through. Yeah. So. Yeah, I got cattle panels all the way around the pasture, and mm -hmm. so that's the only way to keep them in. Oh, yeah. And then sometimes they'll climb that. Yeah, anyway. well, the tube gate there, the one, I don't know how she does it, because she's this wide and <laughs> this, 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 this thick, and she can still crawl underneath this much. Oh, like, I think that's said. a breed trait that, yeah. I mean, there's no standard in anywhere that says it, but those Nigerians, they can yeah. get out of a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're like flubber. And I think they can jump higher than the normal-sized goats, too, because they got a 4-by-8 box pen, and it's, it's three and a half feet high, and the two littlest ones, they can jump out of there because they don't want to be in with the other ones. Yeah, so it's, it's great. I mean, yeah. I like the Nigerians. They're, they're, their temperament's yeah. fun. Right. They're, they're yeah. so goofy. Yeah. Well, they follow you around like little puppies. Yeah. So I guess now the two that I have... They have the run of the barn. I had to kind of have to chase them back to the barn when I go to the house. And the property manager, she says she's seen them out by the pool. Luckily, there's a fence around the pool. I was going to say, you're going to be going for a swim yeah, one day. To so. But they just them. walk around. I think they're looking for attention. So <laughs> You think? Yeah. <laughs> well, but they are in such a public forward barn. And so yep. they probably are right. very yep. nice to people and interacting with people well that's one of the biggest comments they can't get over how friendly they are i said well they're all bottle raised so they've attached to a human i says well you know and one of the biggest comments is well how come they're not with their mom well if they were with their mom then you wouldn't be able to be in here and hold them because they'd be out there with their mom and you know, they'd be wild well yeah, so which is basically yeah so i mean there are there are breeders and we've we've had a few on the show that they dam raise, but they also bottle raise to kind of right. So they'll you know well, give them a bottle here, and especially there. when Nigerians have four and five. <laughs> yeah, you can afford gotta, that. You, you kind of gotta. Uh, so we'll see what happens this year. I'm going to try to dam raise them this year because they didn't like to be milked, but they've never <laughs> been milked before. So. Yeah, been there, done that too. But the the yearling, she her head was too small to stay in the stanchion, but she would come in face me. And wait for me to put the milking machine on it. So, so she was fine. With you it. just sit there and scratch her face. While yeah, getting while she would yeah, give her a face rub, and then she stood there and let me milk her. So, well, so what's the what's the future goal for the herd? You obviously scaled down. Yeah, and you're moving towards the smaller goats. Event. I mean, eventually you'll work that way. I'm sure you'll still have some. Standards. I'm going to try to stick more with the standards or minis and not yeah full Nigerian. Okay, so. and then so. Are you just going to be kind of to keep doing what you're doing yes. and just enjoying the herd? Yep. 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 So more for people to come to the farm to see and enjoy. 
because this summer they put up the big Nigerian dwarf goat billboards mm -hmm. that are 20 foot high. So they do a lot of what they call all goats tours. Oh, look at the goats. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's been a big draw to the farm. So first people come into the barn, see the real baby goats, and then they take them for a walk up to see, and they, everybody gets their pictures taken in front of the big, big, huge billboards of the goats. Okay. So what does that... What is the Beekman experience like for working on the farm when you're dealing with the with the public and you're is it is it easy to deal with and, and how like what does it look like for somebody that's never been there? I've gotten used to it because yeah. I've been doing it for fifteen years now. So it's the longest place I've ever lived. Really? So I guess I gotta be okay with <laughs> if that's the longest place I've ever lived. So, so but it, people come there, they just can't get over how pretty it is. We spend a lot of time. I mean, I, I, I mow the, the lawns, and there's about seven acres of lawn to mow. They do have a, a, a landscape crew that comes in and does the weeding of the flower gardens okay. and stuff like that. So I've even got, with a lawnmower, I mow a, a one-mile path all the way around the property for people to walk. So, wow. And it's got a big hills behind the property, so people get to walk up to the top of the hill. And then you just see the whole farm, see the house. See, I love that because, you know, obviously, you know, you've scaled down now, but even when you were in full production, your guys' focus was making sure that you're representing the industry right. in the correct light, right? Yeah. So you're not giving, because there's a lot of people from the city that probably come and visit. Right. You know, they want to see where the Beekman products come from, you right. know, type deal. But you're still focusing on putting the industry in the best light. Right. Yeah, making sure that people realize how, how important goats are and, and what goat milk products can do for people. So Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And so since you're a public-facing property and farm, how does your management change by the fact that you have all of these people there? Are you keeping kids longer or keeping more kids longer? Are, you, are there things that you would be doing if you were in a more closed-off farm that you can't do because you are presenting yourself to the public? Yeah. I used to have all, try to have all my goats kid in February and March. This year, the first one kid at the end of January, and then the last one kid at the middle of June. Ooh. So I had babies all along. So the last ones were just, the last Nigerians were just weaned a few weeks ago. That way I have some baby goats for a longer period of time so more people can come to the, to the farm to see baby goats. Wow. So That's because a lot, a lot of them were Nigerians, I had Niger four Nigerians kid over them those months and feeding them bottle feeding them four times a day oh yeah so that was that was a lot of yeah i, I was almost had less sleep now than when the when i had the 130 goats oh, wow. so yeah yeah i mean most people they try to keep it at least i try to keep it close so that i don't have that this year i kind of fell into what you dealt with just not yeah. not that long of a span yeah. i'm talking right. you know a two and a half month difference than you know a couple week difference right. But yeah, I can imagine that was uh, you'd get one on twice a day bottles, and all of a sudden you you've got some that are on yeah, four. Right. Well, that's just it. So then, even my full size dairy goats, I fed them four times a day too. Right. I'm in the barn, and I might as well feed everybody. So <laughs> you so even when they started getting older, you were still. I kept them on Ooh. four times a day, right up until they were weaned. Oh wow. So. so how big do those kids? Be? Yeah, <laughs> well, they're, they're nice size girls, and I wait until they're two years old before I have them have their first kids. Mm -hmm. So, so 
they offer the tours. Yep. Do they do? Do they offer like goat yoga and all that kind of stuff? Or I, told just, them, I told them no on the goat yoga. There I told you go. them they get enough. Good for you. They get enough interaction with people with just just having them come. So they do the all goat tours. We do the baby goat tours. Beekman does kindness workshops where they teach and promote kindness, and the people will come to the farm and see the baby goats, and okay. just kind of gives them a relaxing feeling. We've done a bunch of different big-time dinners, outstanding in the field dinners, and then we had the secret supper there last month, and that brought a lot, you know, that was 150 people, and a lot of people came to the barn. I would bring the adult goats out into the pasture so people could see the goats in the oh, pasture, wow. and because the goats just follow me wherever I go. So, <laughs> so Secret Supper, what, what's that kind of deal? That was a group based out of Maine now. They don't tell the people where the dinner is until the day before. Oh, wow. So people were coming from Ohio, Massachusetts, uh, I think one from the Carolinas, and a few, few kind of local, and they came to the farm. Of course, we had a thunder and lightning storm that day. Oh, of course. <laughs> but... I mean, the people enjoy coming because they can't get over how pretty the place is. A lot of people said it was the second second nicest place that they've been to since they've been doing the Secret Suppers. I guess the best one was in Maine, but that was because they could see over the cliffs out into the ocean. Uh, okay. so, so hard, to, be, hard and, to beat that. How to, kind of hard to beat that, but <laughs> to be able to be there and yeah. see see how, how green everything was. So. Oh, I'm sure it was a very close second. Yeah. So when dealing with the public... What are the common misconceptions that you have to educate about, correct? Well, why do I bottle feed them? And then I go into the CAE Mm -hmm. and because, you know, you want people to be able to come here and hold the baby goats. So you need to bottle feed them to make them so that you can hold them. Because if they weren't used to a human, you're not going to be able to hold them. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... Do I milk them by hand? No, I use a machine. <laughs> Guilty. And well, and how many times a day do you milk them? Oh, twice. Mm-hmm. A, oh, just like a cow, you got to milk them twice a day too. And yeah. So, well, I'm sure you get a lot of people that they haven't even seen how cows are milked. So right, they, right. That, that's just the, that's just it. You know, so many people have never been on a farm, but it's amazing how many people grew up on farms and enjoy coming back to see to see farm animals. Right. You know. Well, imagine the questions you'd get if you had Blamanches. Oh, what happened to their ears? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how come you took their ears off? Yeah. So, well, and then let's see, you know, what are these things? You know, people don't realize that both does and bucks can have horns. Both does and bucks can have beards. Because they see all the goats out there in the in the pet in the in the one pen. Oh, they all beards. Oh, those are all boys. I says, nope, the two boys are down here and they're opposite ends and you can smell them. Yeah. <laughs> so, Hard to miss those yeah. guys. So I mean, that, that's you know because they because they don't know anything about goats. Right they now they know. So do you have to put up signs or anything come fall? For those bucks, like usually warn people, okay, and you have to warn them. They you know, don't let the baby goats, don't let the finger go too far in their mouth, otherwise they'll draw blood. Because they, they like it when the goats chew on their fingers, and so we have to warn them. You know, don't don't bend your head over too far because they'll jump up, and the baby, the kids will. Well, so will the adults. Well, they've pulled earrings out of people's ears and mm-hmm. pull on hair, pull on scarves. So. 
so people have them go for the high high end jewelry, so that way. Well, that's what, well, somebody lost a diamond, so oh, no. so there could be a diamond out in the hayfield somewhere. <laughs> so, can we hear like a couple of your favorite stories of being on the farm? You've been there quite a few years. Do you have any favorite stories that come right to mind of things that have happened either with the public or just on the farm itself with your animals? Well, just the other day. Well, just that when they get out. <laughs> those are your favorite well, those are I'm like oh why do I, I and I told Brent you know you wanted Nigerians well that one Nigerian that crawls under the gate she took care of the, the grapes this year oh, so. no. <laughs> she comes uh, back this wide well, luckily there's only a few plants but she took all the leaves off of them so. oh, luckily they're not there so they didn't see it <laughs> but, <clears throat> I guess one of the worst thing is when we have a llama oh yeah poke spot yeah and she got out and she always go went, always went for the road or if she went out into the field i can remember chasing her down with a tractor and throwing rotten tomatoes at her <laughs> top i mean for being a diva she was a diva she she had attitude and mm-hmm. well, i didn't like her <laughs> <laughs> but she it's amazing how sensitive she was because there was a few people that came that had cancer and she was nice to them. So goats and llamas can actually sense oh, that. Yeah. So so that I mean that's the poke spot was one of the bigger stories. Yeah. But she she was a she was a headliner, so now with your herd and, and you've downsized, do you think there's any other animals that you'd want to get into to add just for funsies because you've slowed down a little bit with it? No. No, yeah. stick with the goats. Yep, I like it. I'm I'm a fan of that. Well, if, if you have other animals, then you got to go into well. Why do you have them? You know, so I mean a lot of the same questions, and you know I don't tell. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure tr- I don't tell the truth about everything so. <laughs> because they just don't understand. Well, how can you do that? Well, yeah, that's what they're here for. Well, then you start feeling like it's kind of like a petting zoo at that point right. too, right? Right. Yep. I'm sure with the with the alpaca, it was, it felt like that as well. Yeah. You know, because oh, there's something new. It's, yeah, right. I mean, to me, she kind of, she when they get running, to me that was dangerous, especially when you have a barn full of pregnant goats. Well, they're you big. Get, yeah, when they have a 500 pound llama. So. <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're big. They're intimidating. Yeah, I mean. And they spit. They do oh, spit, yeah. especially when they have time for them to be sheared, or when they get out and you have to try to catch her. Oh. Luckily, I just do shake the grain bucket. And we had a we had a farm down the road from us that sold out of theirs, and they're like, "Oh, we would have given you some of them." And I'm like, "I would have said no. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good on that. So. I'm good with the with the smaller goats. Uh-huh. And fine by me." Yep. <laughs> oh, now my question is. You've got the Nigerians that you've added now. You've got a couple Guernsey crosses. You got the Alpines. Is there any breed that you're like I haven't deviled into yet that I want to? And and like, there's really only the Lamanches or Togs. So. Yeah, and just <laughs> no, no. I, I guess I kind of need to. Sometimes I think I should pick a breed, but it's not easy to to find what you want. To bring in a buck to breed to, so that's why I've bred a little bit of everything. Yeah, I mean the last one I had two Alpine Nubian cross bucks, so and they were fine. One was pulled, so 
I have I have some recorder grades experimentals. Yeah. Which is basically what you're working with there, yeah. and they're fun. Yeah. You know, because like you said, you kind of never know what you're going to get when right. they come out. As long as you love them and they love you, that's all that matters. Right. Exactly. So, so this year we're we're going to be breeding our Oberhasli bucks to our Guernsey does for the first time. So we're pretty excited to see mm-hmm. what that cross looks like. We're hoping for gold. Well, that's the, I had a couple of Oberhasli crosses and I did breed them and they are a very dark gold. Mm-hmm. So that's good to hear. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully that happens yeah. with us. I'll probably get bait and black because you know yeah. why not? So, <laughs> but I mean, a lot of mine I've got white and golds. You really? Too. Yeah. So. Okay. Good. Gotta watch out for white now. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you need. Yeah. Now, as long as your doe is not all white and is not dominantly white, uh, it still meets breed standard. Oh, I've got, so I've got, I've got the breed good. standard written down. I got it set, so we'll be looking forward to it. Uh, but yeah, I think Daniel, did you want to add anything before we kind of open it up? I know we have some some fans here that want to. I think Ask let's away. bring on questions if there's any questions. If you have questions for us, if you have questions for Farmer John, we'll have you kind of, if you're not scared to be loud on the mic, come on up and we'll get you on. Don't be shy. How many people out there like that Nubian buck that's in the spotlight? <laughs> oh, here we go. I'm like, well, I'm like, oh, shit. I wonder if I could. You know, I think he's a pretty boy. I think Kathy Kelly is going to be here uh, tomorrow. Yeah. She might be able to help facilitate that yeah. for you. So there's quite a few in there. I don't know if you were looking at the alpines and the. I like the Nubian buck. He's so. pretty handsome. And that's another breed that I get asked for more. The long ears. Yeah, yeah, everybody likes the Nubians too. So you know, Danielle's kind of a connoisseur over there. She loves her Nubians as well. I appreciate a good dairy goat, and uh-huh. I am I am a Nubian lover. I do love my Nubians, and he is a really nice buck. And, yeah, and I don't think they're any louder than any of the other ones. Either. Oh no! So much, as, much, as much as people <laughs> complain about how loud Nubians are, I've got Sonnens and Alpines that can be just as loud. So yeah, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast, but in relationship to Nubians vocalization. I always remember we had a collection one year at our farm and my does were the teaser does. So they were brought into heat and I made sure I had four does in heat and we had a few other does that just happened to cycle at the same time. And so they were walking the fences. They were in heat. They were standing, but we were in the barn and we had a lot of different breeders at our place and we were talking in the barn and one breeder who was an alpine breeder is an alpine breeder starts bad mouthing the nubians and how vocal they are and oh you can't get a nubian that's quiet and i just said wait one moment i have at least four does in heat right now we are having a conversation it is quiet we are okay and he just kind of looked around and went that is true. I was not aware of my surroundings, but yes, this is true. It is quiet. So I don't know, man. They I'm can be quiet. I mean, will they say hello when you get there? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is that the end of it? A hundred percent. Do I know when my experimental, who is seventy-five percent sonin, is in heat? Yes, but it is the sonin in her that is calling and not the Nubian because she 
is probably more vocal than most of my Nubians in that barn. I don't know. I have Jem, who yeah, but is, she, what is she, 20, 25% Nubian, and she's the loudest in the barn when she comes See, in. See, I think that number just went up. I think you've been telling me 12. No, I, I'll pull up Adkin Genetics <laughs> How do you know right it's now? not the other 75%? Because well, exactly. the rest of my Oberhasli are quiet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really quiet, though? I got it, because Guernsey's lovers are probably listening, as always. But... The Guernseys are like the quietest things. I don't know how do you you yeah, have yeah. do you find them to be quieter? They they even they look quieter too. Oh, they're just kind of like a mystique to almost them. like little bunnies. Yeah, yeah, they're just with yep. the with the little yep. ears, bonnet ears. But yeah, they're I never know they're in my barn. Yeah, ever it's ridiculous. Even when they're in heat. So I'm hoping you know keep that going because. A quieter barn is a happier barn, right? Yeah. That's what they say. Yeah, but if you can't hear them, what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, just, just like kids, right? See, those Nigerians scarred you. Oh. <laughs> you're walking around the place and you're like, they're not on my hip. No. Where are they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the bags of grain. <laughs> on the bags of grain. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if there's no questions, I mean, yeah. Yeah, come on up. Okay. So come up if you want to take the mic, introduce yourself, and then tell the story. So here. you can just yep. yeah, grab it. Okay. Okay. So my name is Jen, and I have a goat farm in Berkshire, New York. Um, I started raising goats when I was 12 or 13 in 4-H, and then um, sort of let them go when I got a little bit older and had to go off to college and live a different life as an archaeological illustrator. Well, and then, yeah, strange career paths. <laughs> but then um, by a very random chance meeting in 2009, I met Brent. I was, I was working in, um, in the uh, like music field. So we, I worked for a performing arts organization, and I had a, an artist with me that was going to be on a TV show. And Brent happened to be on just before us with oh. their first cookbook. And so that was my first meeting of anything with Beekman, mm -hmm. and I instantly became super enamored with everything that they were about. Well, then five years later, I moved to Ithaca. Um, my sister and brother-in-law live here, and um, we were able to get a farm about two years after that. And I was really wanting to get back into goats, and I had remembered the Beekmans. I'd been following them, um, and I was able to reach out to you. Mm -hmm. And in 2015, I got my first four goats back, or three goats from you. Oh. And then um, another year later, my daughter got a, a goat from you. So we have four goats from the Beekman herd. And that's been the foundation of the oh. herd that I have now. Oh, so good. I have Toggenbergs too. So my, my animals now are Tog crosses from your lines. And then just this year at New York State Fair, one of the a daughter of one of your goats one grand champion recorded grade. Oh, so wow. it's been a seven year journey wow. from when I was first at your farm oh, to get great. your goats. and. And I just wanted to thank you for that. Like, yeah. I was so excited that you were going to be oh. here. But yeah, they, he's really been instrumental in where oh, my goals are today. So. That's awesome. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Come on up. <laughs> You're good. Yeah, take it right away. Take it. <laughs> Hi. Hi. I, I'm. Nancy, and I was just wondering, for people who don't know about this reality show, 
<laughs> I've never heard of a goat reality show. What it is was called show? The Fabulous Beekman Boys. Okay. You can find it on one of the... I think it's on Hulu still. Is it on still can, on Hulu? You can search for it on Hulu, yeah. yeah. So do you want to just kind of explain the premise of what the show was? It was all about two guys from the city buying a big mansion in Sharon Springs, me needing a place to bring my goats, so I brought my goats. And it kind of just, it's kind of a scripted reality TV mm-hmm. show more than it is a reality TV show. But it just does the escapades of, of what they did on the farm and what they said they were doing on the farm. <laughs> and just me. I mean, one of the first episodes, they went and got pigs from the Amish. Oh, no. And the one escaped out of the back. And so we're trying to catch that. And actually, the pig jumps in my arms. <laughs> they actually <laughs> caught that on, on the cameras. So, so that that's that's basically how I became Farmer John. Yeah, that was, that was that, a couple seasons, right? That ran. We ran like, two seasons, yeah. Yep. And then, of course, they were on the reality, uh, the, um, what's the show? The Amazing Race. Amazing Race, And they yeah. won the Amazing Race, yep. That's yep. how the barn got a new roof. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works. Yep. Yeah. So. No, I, um, I remember them on there and then uh, seeing the reality show. And, I mean, it's just. It's kind of cool the, yeah. the stuff that those guys do, um, for sure. But I think the most important part about having you here is that, like, we're kind of trying to show the real reality of, of what goes on, right? And it sounds like you're the one that's really making the big calls with the goats, right? right. I mean, they're still my goats, and I still get to do everything about them, mm-hmm. and I I have to keep to a certain number, and well, yeah, so. It, just, I'm sure they'd be like, "What are you doing?" If you had 500 goats in right, the barn, right? right? Yeah. Well, that's one of the big another question that people ask. Well, how come you don't keep them all? I says, "Well, if I were to keep them all, I'd probably have 10,000 goats by now." <laughs> you know, because there when I when I was at full capacity there, I would have 200 kids born in a season. So, and I know at one time, we, luckily there was an intern that year. We were we were feeding 100 babies. Goodness. When you have thirty-three, at least thirty-some kids born in one day, and you're you were doing four bottles a day. No, that that's when it was all just the full size guys. Oh, okay. So those were, that, okay. That I was just doing twice a day. Okay. Okay. So, I was gonna say yeah. that that wasn't four times a day. I was no. gonna ask how you survived. No, that I wouldn't have survived. I don't think. But. So now I have a question on that. When somebody comes to your barn and you go, "What's this baby goat's name?" What was your answer? Well, I could always tell them. Because okay. I know all my goats. I use the first letter of the mother's name, and that's what I name all the offspring. So every kid that was born had a name for yep. while they were there? Yep. Oh, my God. That's impressive because yep. I know with my herd, there's many that do not get names. Uh, <laughs> if, they're, if they're going or... Even, we, the, even the boys get names. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, you're better than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tend to name all the bucks Bucky. Uh-huh. Right? And then if they go registered, then they'll get their real name and then name. if they go as a pet to somebody then they get their pet name and i always let say tell people they're yours now so if you want to change their name oh no i like that name so oh no that's good yeah no we had a few particularly during covid when i had a small child in the barn frequently and he would name all the goats that weren't staying but when you're a five-year-old and you have free reign we had several black Nubians called peanut butter and jelly, and I think yeah. we had a chipmunk, and 
So the people would come and pick up their goats and they'd be like, so what's this one's name? And I'm like, just name them yourself. <laughs> it's not worth yeah. it at this point, but yeah. you know, that's awesome. I got to imagine that marketing any extra buck kids or go kids that you're trying to sell is not too horribly bad for you. The Nigerian, all the Nigerians are all going to be rehomed. Mm-hmm. So, but I didn't do much with them. And then I have some people that buy bucks for, for their own first reasons. for their own reasons. And yeah. So I let that go, but I haven't let any of my full size does go yet. So really, yeah. okay. Trying to recoup a little bit. No, I, I just. I feel you. I, just I, I let very few go that. this year. I think I let one. I had four 11-year-olds kid this year, and I said wow. I was going to keep okay. just the girls from them. Well, all four of them had girls, so I have two sets of twins, and then the one 11-year-old, she just had a little Nigerian cross. and So I've got at least seven to keep, and then one of the other ones had a Nigerian cross that's gold and white. And I said, oh, there you I, go. Can't, I can't let that one go. <laughs> and then I've got the other one that had the dough that had the 16 pounds. And then the first freshening two-year-old that had the mini that she was given 12 pounds. So well, how can I get rid of her too? So now I'm back up to keeping 12 or 13 of the 16. So You hear that, Terry? <laughs> I can find a reason to keep every single one of them, and yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Farmer John says it's okay. So, which Farmer John? <laughs> Both of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, I think that's awesome. Um, it's so. Are those eleven-year-olds? Are they going to retire, or are you going to keep them going? I, one is going to stay. The other, mm-hmm. the other three, I, I let go. Okay. Because it's 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 hard to watch them die. I know. That's I know. probably the worst thing. But the the one eleven-year-old, she's got arthritis pretty much. She kind of walks like this. When she comes down off the milk stand, she'll walk so far, and then she stops, and I have to give her a hug and a kiss, and then she'll walk the rest oh, of the way into the pen. They just so kind of warm your, their way right into so your So I don't know yeah. how, how, to, how to let her go, so she'll have to yeah. she'll have to stay until she goes. The oldest goat I ever had just missed her 13th birthday before she passed. Oh, wow. So That's amazing. I mean, I think we can all feel the, the heart that goes yeah. into that herd, yeah. and, and that's what... I like to see, because I can kind of be mechanical when it comes to my herd. I try to leave my feelings out of it. And that's not easy. No, it's it's <laughs> it's not. You know, I've definitely broken down a couple times uh-huh. when, you leave, when I lost a goat, oh, you know. Yeah. But I, I also like the other end of the spectrum where you've got a lot of heart. You pour everything you have into mm-hmm. them, and you breathe life into that yeah. farm. Well, now I know where they, where they go and what, right. they, what they do for exactly. somebody else. I mean, I've had, them, I've had a, a, a weather. He went to Minnesota. I've had goats go to Ohio, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. Maryland, Virginia. Yeah. They're everywhere. So, yeah. And you just put your stamp everywhere they go. Yeah. So and that's amazing. And and I love the story. I love uh, how you, you built that relationship with the Beekman boys mm-hmm. and were able to curate, and, you know, your animals on their farm and their facilities and still keep it your own, mm-hmm. but also allow them to, make something out of the product that right. they were yep. they were doing it's really cool it was, it was definitely a, it's a definitely a unique relationship mm-hmm. you guys had and it's cool to see yeah. how it worked and now with how big they've gotten the milk that goes into those products comes from 20 at least 25 other goat dairies across the United oh well States. they're making tons so of they're, products so now, they're yeah. doing doing they're helping the rest of the country with that too yeah. you, and, and you know their products in, in almost every hotel and 
Right. And the, even a lot of local hospitals, the, the products in there, because it's a, a product that doesn't irritate the skin, so most people can use it. So. Right. Yeah. And imagine how big your facility would have had to gotten if, oh, yeah. if they tried to keep it in-house. Well, that's why I've looked at the price of dehydrators, and so I guess I won't do that. <laughs> so That's amazing. No, I... I, for one, appreciate you being on. I'm, I'm, Daniel, did you want to add no, just anything else? No, thank you so much for coming Thanks and talking asking, yeah. with us. Thank you all for coming coming and listening to a live episode and being part of this. We are so appreciative of you for not only being here today, but listening to us every week. And um, so thank you to everyone. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, this has been Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast live. We've been joined by John Hall, Farmer John of Beekman Boys 1802. I'm John. And I'm Danielle. We'll catch you on the next one. Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast, is not an affiliate of the American Dairy Goat Association. All opinions or information regarding the ADGA does not represent the registry.